You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm here with Jeff in studio. How are you feeling today, Jeff? Oh, I'm great, Neil. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, I'm a little chilly, though, because we had to crank the AC to like 64 uh, prior to your arrival just to make sure that it was somewhat tolerable. I mean, that's that's in my contract. So It is. It's in your rider. Uh, Ken isn't here. Uh, he's actually giving a uh, candlelit tour of the Frank Lloyd Wright houses uh, in Oak Park, Illinois. It is sunny still, so... I don't know what the candles are for. Maybe for a little bit of ambiance, please. <laughs> yeah, aromatic qualities. So yeah, he's not here today, uh, but Matt's here. How are you doing, Matt? I am doing just fine. Also by candlelight. You are, Rolling and well, that's just because you're you're experimenting with uh, becoming a vampire, possibly. Is that right? Uh, I, mean, I haven't ruled it out. So yes. Okay. Well, as long as you haven't ruled it out, uh, I think all of our fans who listen uh, when they sleep during the day will be happy about that. Now, uh, we have some special guests today. Uh, let's see. We have our returning guest. We'll start with him first. He's going to be hosting today's game. Uh, he's coming to us from Fayetteville, Arkansas. He's an Oakland 5 supporter on Patreon. And uh, last time he had a lot of lens flares uh, on his camera, which you couldn't see. But uh, today he doesn't. But uh, we're happy to have him back anyway. And that's Doug Barron. How are you, Doug? Hey, Neil. Uh, I'm good. Thank you. Apparently, I'm pretty dark down here. Maybe I should get some candles, too. Candle, candlelight host gig. I don't know. So happy uh, to yeah, have doing, you. Doing well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, what have you been up to? Um, you know, living the pandemic life, uh, uh, hoping to come out of it. I'm a college professor, and so I taught online most of the, you know, most of the year. Trying to run a department from a uh, from afar is a little bit tough, but uh, uh, it's been good. I've had my daughters here uh, at home with me most of the year, so that's been an extra extra bonus as well. And uh, uh, hopefully, we'll get out of town here before uh, things start up again in, in late August. Well, it's really nice you got to spend some time with your family, and uh, I'm sure that made uh, all the downtime uh, that much sweeter. So uh, we appreciate you also taking the time to, to spend with us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, and we have a, a special guest who is uh, going to be playing with Jeff today. Um, she is from the Baltimore, D.C. area, also an Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, and that is uh, Kristen Bursett harris How are you, Kristen? Hey, guys. Good. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, we're very excited to have you on. Uh, if you don't mind us saying, uh, it is, this is sort of a birthday episode for you. So happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Uh, lordy, lordy, look who's 40. He just turned 40. <laughs> happy birthday. Well, congratulations. And uh, we're, we're so happy that you decided to spend it with us. We don't know if we're the best birthday gift, but uh, we're going to do our best to make sure you have fun. But tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Uh, yeah, my name is Kristen Bursett Harris. I live in Baltimore, work in Washington, D.C. I'm actually a TV host. I host a morning talk show on the one of the local stations. So we interview everybody from celebrities, chefs, local people, talking about all sorts of topics, you know, musicians, actors. Um, it's a great, fun show. We're on uh, mid-morning for about an hour. So I've been doing it for four years. I love it. I get to meet some really cool people. And you all have kept me company for the last several years because <laughs> um, I commute about a three hour round trip commute. So there's Ooh, a lot nice. of triviality listening to my car. So I appreciate you guys for all of that. Well, thank you. That is uh, so flattering that um, that we were able to help you and um, you know keep your commutes as entertaining as possible. And even though we might sound uh, dumb or idiotic uh, every once in a while, I'm just glad we're putting a smile on your face. Always. You're always making me laugh. It's so much fun. And I really appreciate you giving me this birthday gift. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Uh, and Matt, uh, I think most of the laughs are probably coming from you, um, which, you know, because you're always so funny. But do you want to partner with me today? Would that be OK? <laughs> I suppose I'll slum it with Neil today. Uh, let's uh, how about since uh, Kristen is probably a master at the teleprompter, how about we be uh, the teletubby prompters? <laughs> That's fine. Works for me. All right. I don't know where that came from, but uh, okay, we'll be the Teletubby prompters. And uh, Jeff and Kristen, any ideas on a team name? Well, we hadn't discussed it. Is there uh, any particular name that uh, you usually play with? or uh... We could do a play on 40. You could be the 40 ounces or something. <laughs> 40 ounces. Yeah. It's uh, part of one of my favorite Sublime albums, 40 ounces to freedom. So we could be 40 ounces. 40 ounces to trivia? That's right. Uh, I like it. So we have uh, 40 ounces to trivia versus uh, Teletubby prompter. And Doug, uh, any preference on the rules read before we cut to it? I, I do have a slight preference for, for the uh, Dutch read. So if we can do a Dutch read. I'd, I'd be thrilled with that because I'm learning Dutch. Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's throw it to Willem and uh, hear the Dutch rules read. De regels van het spel zijn simpel. 20 vragen verdeeld over twee rondes, waarbij elke vraag 10 punten waard is. Halverwege is er een speciale swingronde, ontworpen door de host van deze week. Na deze rondes beginnen de spelers aan de finale, met de punten die ze hebben verdiend. En hebben ze de mogelijkheid om 0 tot 30 punten in te zetten op 5 gecategoriseerde vragen. Aan het eind van het spel wordt iemand benoemd tot the cream of the crop. Um, well then, yeah, we're excited. So Doug, feel free to take it away and uh, we are ready to play. And I didn't mean to rhyme that, but that's okay. You do that all the time. <laughs> I know, it's just a second nature, an accident, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, first category is words that should mm -hmm. rhyme. Uh, so these are words that look like they ought to rhyme, but don't. So I'm going to give you two clues and you've got to give me the two words um, that don't rhyme, all right? Okay, so the clues are uh, the relationship of Maya Rudolph to the late singer Minnie Ripperton, and something that you are likely to hear while watching one of Maya Rudolph's movies. So one word describes the relationship of Maya Rudolph to Minnie Ripperton, and the other is something you are likely to hear while watching one of Rudolph's movies. Kristen, I'm fairly confident I could lock this in if you uh, are willing to trust me on it. I trust you, Jeff. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, hmm. okay. So Minnie Ripperton, I believe, is her mom. Okay. Go so, on. yeah, I'm trying to think what would rhyme. <laughs> mom, mother, um, 
Oh, like not mother and laughter. Uh, oh, yeah, you wouldn't hear a laugh track on a movie. Um, <laughs> man, I'm at a loss. I'm, I just know de- that's her it, mom. It would really depend on how much you were trying to force the audience into yeah, right. <laughs> kind of laughing along with you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Um, I can't even think of a Maya Rudolph movie. I just know that that's her mom, but I, I, I'm trying to think of mom, mother, or she would be daughter. daughter. Oh, daughter and laughter. They're both spelled like the same way, kind of, just with a D and an L. You want to do that? I want to do that, yes. Okay. It just came to me. All right, daughter and laughter is our locked-in answer. I always hate when we give you enough time um, <laughs> to think stuff out because immediately I clued in on the mother-daughter relationship, and uh, it's not pronounced lauder, like... Uh, the boss in uh, the Drew Carey show. So that's what we went with, daughter and laughter. All right. Very good. Ten points to both teams. Uh, Maya Rudolph is, in fact, uh, the late Minnie Ripperton's uh, daughter. Ready? Uh, she was a singer. Her father was actually Ripperton's agent back in the day. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Minnie Ripperton died of cancer when, when Maya Rudolph was just a, a young girl, six or seven years of age. But uh, both, both of you figured it out. Daughter and laughter is correct. All right. Uh, question number two is uh, playtime with Shakespeare. Now, I got the easiest Shakespeare category ever when I was on Jeopardy. All it did was gave me the initials, gave the players the initials of the play, and you had to name the play. Um, sort of working off of that, uh, here's the question. Not including plays that start with the article A, or uh, such as a Midsummer's Night, A Midsummer Night's Dream, Shakespeare wrote four plays whose title begin with a vowel. Uh, so for five point each, I want you to name two of those four plays, and I'll give you one bonus point if you can name uh, any of the others. So there are four plays that Shakespeare wrote that start with a vowel. Um, name two of them. If you can name all four, you get some extra points. I, I can lock in for us, Matt, if you want. Um, okay, Kristen, what uh, what comes to mind when you think of Shakespeare plays that start with a vowel? Shakespeare's not the best. I thought of Othello. I had Othello. Mm-hmm. Right. That's about as far as I got on that one. Same. Um, <laughs> I am blanking here, Jeff. I know. Um, I feel. I feel bad. I, Othello is. Oh man. Oh, Antony and Cleopatra. Okay. I think that's one. Okay, we'll lock that. We'll lock in Othello yeah. and Antony and Cleopatra. I think we're going to be satisfied with that. You will be satisfied. There are definitely points on those two. And uh, the other two, at least in what I think is correct, uh, are also A's. So we locked in with Othello, Antony, and Cleopatra, All's Well That Ends Well, and As You Like It. Oh, As You Mm. Like It? Yes. That's so stupid. I should have gotten that one, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, not surprisingly, I forgot about the bathroom poster. Um, But uh, (laughs) I like how this is, like, famous now. Excellent. Good. Uh, I was hoping I was hoping you'd pull at least one of the other the, the other three there. All right. Uh, question number three for this round. Um, the category is containers. Containers. So uh, this is sort of a current events question. In late March, twenty twenty one, a container ship became stuck sideways in the Suez Canal, causing lengthy delays in shipping traffic through the canal. What was the two-word name of that ill-fated ship that got stuck? 
Matt, I'm okay to lock in with your guests because all I am bringing to the table is calling it Kaiser Sose. So whatever you yeah. think is right, I'm good with. I'm, I'm picturing it um, being photoshopped into various other places, and I and the name <laughs> is very prominent. And I, I think this is right, or it's at least close enough that I won't feel stupid when it's wrong. Kristen, do you know this one? Do you remember? Do you remember the details from the story? You think I would, right? Working in TV news. <laughs> Um, as soon as he started talking, I'm like, ooh, Suez Canal. I know it's the Suez Canal. I don't know. Do you want to tab or you want to throw something out there? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, maybe uh, as a nod to the previous uh, Shakespeare question, uh, and ill-fated will go Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, what do you right. think? I think uh, hopefully much like our content, I believe it, it was evergreen. Uh, that is really close. The The ship was owned by a company called Evergreen Marine, but the ship itself mm. was named the Ever Given. Um, the Evergreen Marine has 11 oh. ships that are that are named Ever, and then the second word is begins with G. Uh, so this is question number uh, four. In round one. Okay. And this is U.S. geography was the category, but this is going to be a kind of a mashup U.S. geography and movie question. In the 2009 movie Zombieland, the four main characters are each known by a U.S. city name. Of those four cities, three are state capitals. Uh, for 10 points, name the one of these names that is not a U.S. state capital. And for one point each, name any of the other three names, cities. Kristen, I'm going to have to lean on you. I have never seen the film <laughs> Zombieland. As I have not either. Uh, oh, well, how many cities <laughs> can there possibly be in the United States? So you just. <laughs> so, Matt, I've given you all the, the names, all four names, but I couldn't tell you which one is not a capital. So. Oh, my God. Uh... <laughs> this is great. I love this. this I know is, which this one is my isn't. favorite. Okay. Are, are you okay to lock in? Yeah. Right, but since we've never seen the movie, we could just, you want to just guess on a wild limb that the name is Omaha. I like it. All right. If this is right, I, I will kind of lose my mind. <laughs> and check us out on the Patreon bonus where uh, Kristen and Jeff describe the plot of Zombieland without ever <laughs> have seeing it. <laughs> Do you want to try to name three state capitals for bonus points or you just want to leave it there? Oh. I could I could see Tallahassee also being a potential uh, name of one of these people. I was going to go with my home state of Florida. Yeah. So Tallahassee, let's go with that. Lansing and what's something out west? Boise, Phoenix, Helena. Phoenix could be a zombie name. I like Phoenix. Phoenix, Lansing, and Tallahassee. I forgot the <laughs> list, but thank you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So those, uh, and those Omaha be... is our, our first one. Yeah, we're going to go with Omaha with uh, Lansing, Tallahassee, and Phoenix as our bonus guesses. Well, Omaha was in the spinoff Zombieland where Peyton Manning played a zombie. I'm yeah, sure I about that. Uh, <laughs> but Matt, I'll let you read the names because I, like I said, I didn't know which one was not a capital. And then when you told me which one it was, I felt very dumb. But um, you did get points, Jeff. I will tell you that. I'm not going to tell you which one, though. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, the names were um, Columbus, uh, Little Rock. Uh, Tallahassee, and the one that Neil was not sure if it was a capital or not, Wichita. Oh, uh, well, yeah, you were in uh, 
in the right part of the country with Omaha, just one one state south, you would have gotten to another state that has a smaller capital city than the, its largest city, which is Wichita. So Kristen's uh, Florida roots came in handy there. That's you got right. a point. Absolutely. My nice. roots are just going gray. So uh, we have we have just for triviality. It's coming soon. <laughs> TM. All right. Uh, category number five. I'm sort of going in the order in which they not exactly in, in which they, they came to me. So maybe a little bit unbalanced, but I had a full category on Audrey McDonald on Broadway, uh, which was great uh, because I love Audrey McDonald. Uh, but I think there have been like two or three Audrey McDonald questions on Triviality lately. So, But here's one I don't think has been uh, is asked. So uh, as you probably know, Audrey McDonald has won more Tony Awards for acting than any other actor. But she's also yeah. appeared frequently on television. Audrey played the character Grace in the 1999 direct-to-video version of what Tony Award-winning musical, which was previously adapted into a movie in 1982. Uh, the version in which Audra was in featured Victor Garber, Kathy Bates, and introduced Eileen Quinn as the title character. All right, we're, we're going to lock in with, luckily, a couple questions that I, I knew right off the bat, which, which is going to be bad coming forth here. I think it's going to get <laughs> much worse, but yes, we're going to lock in. All right, so I know somewhat of Broadway, um, so I'm just trying to think of shows that would have been around that time that have like a person's name in it. Oh, what's the one where the guy dresses like a girl to get a job, or the girl dresses like a guy? Medea. Um, Wait, what? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> <laughs> which is on Broadway uh, coming in January. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you want to go? I. Annie was the first one that came. I think Anything Annie, else? I think I think going with your gut is sometimes the right place. So we'll go with Annie. All right, hard knock life it is. <laughs> Neil, do you want to put <laughs> him out of there? Want to put him out of their misery, Neil? Well, well Jeff, yeah, I'm, Jeff I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it to Matt. Yeah, Jeff says he doesn't know uh, Broadway. I suggested Simon Birch the musical, which I think is, is as far away from an answer as you can possibly get. Uh, but Neil knew pretty uh, much right away. This is Annie. Absolutely correct. Oh. Uh, way to Kristen. go, uh, Jeff and Kristen. All with that. Yeah, no, that would have. I would have never. I, that was all, Kristen. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't been keeping score. I hope, I hope you have, Neil. Yeah, I have. And uh, normally it's right. Sometimes it's not. But we'll see what happens today. So it looks like Team uh, Forty Ounces of Trivia uh, has 31 points, and uh, Team Teletubby Prompter. With all our bonus points, uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 45. So it is 31 to 45. All right. Good good first five questions. Here's, mm-hmm. uh, here's question number six. And so I had a category called a category of Corys. So it's about people named Corey. And all right. if you were like me, when you heard, heard this, you were sure that uh, there was going to be a question about Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. there was not. And so since I just said that, there's not going to be a, a question about them on the show either but um so sorry about that so but here's another in the 1980s there was another Corey who was best known as the lead singer for the band living color who actually appeared in a movie actually appeared in platoon in 1986 a year before Corey feldman and Corey haim appeared in the lost boys so can you name this singer and actor i think i know it matt but I, i'm not 100 percent sure so um, you, you don't have any idea on this one? Uh, no, everything I know about them is CM Punk related, and that doesn't help here. So, 
you can lock in with if it wasn't Corey Hart who made a solo career afterward. Kristen, uh, it's funny he should mention Corey Hart because Corey Hart was the first '80s Corey that came to mind, actually before Feldman and Haim. Uh, but I don't think he fits this description. Do you know uh, what Doug's talking about? I don't. Um, you know, my only thought was I know the band is called Living Colors, but maybe he has a colorful last name like White or um, something like that that kind of just happened to go with the the band name. You know, I don't know if I've ever locked in with Lucky Johnson. You want to go Corey Johnson? Go for it. Awesome. We'll do Corey Johnson. <laughs> So the answer came to me. Um, I, I know that he was in Platoon, um, but the story goes with, with Corey that uh, he was a student, kind of a rambunctious student at uh, John Quincy Adams High School. And um, he had a very uh, influential teacher um, who kind of changed his life and his brother's life and, and all of his friends and went out. His Did girlfriend's... he also like weirdly follow him from like like grade school to high school to college he did and um i think the reason he started the band was to impress his girlfriend topanga so you said Corey matthews is this a real person <laughs> <laughs> I if it's Corey matthews i'm i'm gonna lose it uh, yeah well i'm not giving out any points this time i'm afraid to oh, say no. um <laughs> No, Corey Johnson nor Corey Matthews. No, this isn't. I thought about trying to give a a, a clue to this name by um, uh, you know, cluing in to something about Childish Gambino because this man's name is Corey Glover, mm. uh, right? And, and so Donald, no relation to Donald Glover, but uh, it's Corey Glover. Yeah, he was the lead vocalist of, of Living Color. They won a, a couple of Grammys for hard rock performance. Cult of Personality was their was their uh, huge yep. song. Um, uh, he also has uh, toured a lot with the funk uh, sort of funk jam band Galactic. If you are into that kind mm. of stuff as, as as well, so but Corey Glover uh, was the name there that I was looking for. So um, uh, no points there. But let's go to another music question. Actually, I'm sorry, it's not a music question. This is a philosophy question. But I'm turning it into another popular music question. This is. This game is turning into be pretty heavy 1980s, not intentionally, but I'm seeing it now as I'm I'm uh, looking at it. But uh, philosophy. So then I'm going to change this to a popular music question. So um, and I'm going to try to do it in my best professor voice since I am a professor. Um, so <clears throat> let's see if I can do this. Uh, the following lyrics can be found in what song, which reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1988, and was named number 23 on VH1's top one-hit wonders of the 80s. <clears throat> Here are the lyrics. Philosophy is the talk on a cereal box. Religion is the smile on a dog. Now, I'm not aware of too many things. I know what I know, if you know what I mean. It's definitely not the song I'm going to tell you, but it would I would applaud it if it was. Cause... Cameo word up. <laughs> Could go cameo word up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're locked in now. Um, Kristen, so I, before we get to Neil and, and Matt's answer, um, do you know this one offhand? No, my original thought was Neil's, but if God was one of us, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the one hit wonder from Edie Burkell and the new Bohemians. And I believe it's what I am. And that's the one that's like, what I am is what I am is what you are. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that song. Uh, yeah, we didn't know. Um, oh, you have. We just said that we hoped that those were lyrics from uh, I Think We're Alone Now. That's what we went with. <laughs> well, no. Uh, um, 
Uh, Jeff got it uh, right on there. That is the 1988 song by Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. All right. Um, yeah, what is our team name, Neil? Just so I can write it down. Your, your 40 Chris ounces of trivia. Yeah, 40 yeah. ounces of trivia. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're the Teletubby prompter. <laughs> 10 points <laughs> for 40 ounces of trivia. So sorry. Yeah. Figured awesome. out by the end of the show. Uh, maybe. For some reason, I got it written the wrong way compared to how you're appearing on my screen. So depends on how much I'm drinking before we're done. Yeah. Chris, we Chris right, 40 yeah. hands. That's what you'll be. It works. Yeah, we'll just change it right now. You're going to be Kristen 40 hands. How about that? <laughs> For your birthday. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, next question is, uh, category is called gangrene. Not the disease gangrene, but two words, gangrene, about green things and green people and things like that. So, But this is going to be a sports question about things that happen out where it's green. All right? In June of this year, James Conrad won the men's world championship in what sport? With what has come to be known as the holy shot. Uh, this sport, which saw unprecedented growth during the pandemic, has a governing body that is known by the acronym PDGA. Okay. All right. We're, we're locked in over here. Oh, no. I thought of putt-putt golf, the professional putt-putt golf at first. Um, oh, that, that'd be cool. On the I didn't know you could be professional at that. He's about to sink a 20-foot putt into the clown's mouth. <laughs> and, oh, the gorilla swiped it away. <laughs> Shot. Shot. <laughs> I think we're onto something here. Well, he the category is green, and he mentioned things, and I might be reading too much into mentioned things happening in the green. So I'm thinking maybe it's not in an arena, right? Um, outdoor disc golf. Disc golf. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the same thought, same time. Okay. I like disc golf. Yep. We'll lock that in professional disc golf association. This is the opposite of when we gave you too much time to get it. Uh, we thought, if, I would think at first, you know, professional dart guys association, but I don't think that works. So we also said disc golf. Points to both teams. Um, very good. Okay, next uh, next question. Uh, this is a, a category which starts with one letter, but ends with the next. All right. So starts with one letter, ends with the next. What is a 10-letter word that means illegal goods this word is also the title of a 2012 action thriller starring mark Wahlberg and kate beckinsale now you're speaking my language we can lock in man yeah i i had a feeling <laughs> is this uh contraband that's the word i was thinking of yeah okay yeah yeah it makes sense it starts ends with c and d and i think i think i counted 10 letters but my spelling is terrible so let's not uh, base it on that Hey Jeff, are those drugs? Are those drugs you bet? <laughs> yeah, we want contraband as well. Yeah. All right, yeah, uh, both uh, both teams got this one right. It is in fact uh, contraband. Very, very well done. Uh, Say hello to your dealer for me. <laughs> yes, no contraband here. <laughs> All right, very good. Um, uh, so, question ten: uh, the category is called halt about things that stopped. But this is going to be a TV question. The AMC series Halt and Catch Fire takes place during the 1980s personal computer revolution. The characters in this show originally worked at a company called Cardiff Electric, which is loosely based on what company, which was founded in Dallas in 1951. Mm -hmm. I, I, I watched this. I watched uh, season one and two of this show. It's actually very good. Um, but I think this, I is heard good. it's good. Yeah. yeah. We can lock in. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with your, let's go with yours. All right, Kristen, any, any chance you've uh, watched Halt and Catch Fire? 
Oh, I was so hoping you had. Um, no, AMC betrayed me with like the 12th season of The Walking Dead. So ah, never going yeah. back. Um, catch fire. When I think of like tech companies from Texas, though, HP uh, HP would be too new, or Dell would be too new. Oh, it could be HP. Uh, but uh, what about Texas Instruments, like the calculator manufacturers? I'm I'm uh, we also locked in with Texas Instruments. Yeah, it's based in Dallas in the 19 uh, uh, or 1980s. That company would, in fact, be Texas Instruments. Too early for Dell. That was good, uh, good process of elimination there, uh, Jeff. But Texas Instruments is correct. Thanks, Doug. Very, very good. Well, after the first round, it looks like Team uh, Teletubby Prompter uh, is at 75 points. But coming right back uh, to make things interesting, uh, we have uh, 40 ounces of trivia slash Kristen 40 hands with 71 <laughs> points. So it's a very close game. Right. Uh, Doug, what do you have in store for us for the swing round today? All right. How about a little uh, CanCon going on here? So I had a, um, a category called Spot the Canadian, and basically in which they listed the names of three people. And we had to find which was the Canadian. So I've got 10 such lists of, of these. I'm going to give you 10 groups of three names. Uh, and you've got to tell me which one of those three uh, are Canadian. And by Canadian here, I mean born in Canada, mm-hmm. a native-born Canadian. So group one is Hayden Christensen, Ian McDermott, and Natalie Portman. Group two is Gregory Peck, Orville Peck. And Sam Peckinpah. Group three is Bianca Andreescu, Simona Halep, and Angelique Kerber. Group four is Douglas Adams, Doug Ford, and Dougie Fresh. Group five is Lucy Liu, Sandra O, oh, and Michelle Yeo, or Yeo, Y E O H. Group six is Scott Bakula, David Duchovny, and Nathan Fillion. Group seven is Serge Ibaka, Joe Ingalls, and Andrew Wiggins. Group eight is Alice Monroe, Annie Pruhl, and Ann Tyler. Group nine is Brian Adams, Brian Boitano, and Brian McKnight. And group 10 is Joan Baez, Judy Collins, and Joni Mitchell. Okay, we will be right back with our answers. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. 
Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And after what seemed just like an eternity, we are back with our answers. So, Doug, let's hear those uh, groups one more time and we'll give our answers. All right. So group one, you probably hopefully recognize these as actors from uh, a few Star Wars episodes. Uh, Hayden Christensen, Ian McDermott. And Natalie Portman. Let's hear from uh, 40 Ounces of Trivia first here. All right. I can't remember who Ian McDermott is. I'm pretty sure Natalie Portman was born in Israel. Um, so we said Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I'm almost 100% sure Hayden Christensen is Canadian. That is correct. Portman is, in fact, is born in Israel. McDermott is Scottish. And McDermott, does, it, does anybody know who McDermott played in, in that movie, in those movies? The Emperor. Correct. Great. This is sort of one of the sound-alike ones. Gregory Peck, Orville Peck, and Sam Peckinpah. We were uh, torn between Orville Peck and Sam Peckinpah, but we just went Peckinpah. Great. And 40-ounce of trivia? Yeah, we were torn between the two as well. And since we didn't know, we just liked saying Peckinpah. So we chose Peckinpah. Well, your coin, both of your coins slipped the wrong way. This is the country singer and uh, sort of uh, Orville Peck. Um, he's sort of initiated uh, or is a leader in what uh, genre of country music that's sometimes called queer country. Um, he's the guy who wears the mask. If you've seen him on any, uh, any pictures and stuff, he's got this great deep voice, classically trained voice uh, now in country music. So, but Orville Peck is the Canadian here. Uh, group three are uh, excellent women tennis players, Bianca Andreescu, Simona Halep, and Angelique Kerber. Um, 40 ounce. Uh, and we didn't know with this one, we went Kerber. Uh, we also didn't know, and we said Kerber. Uh, your three-way coin is, again, uh, incorrect this time. This is actually uh, the defending U.S. Open champion, Bianca Andreescu, currently ranked number four tennis player in the world. Angelique Kerber, maybe I was a little bit mean. She just lost in the uh, Wimbledon final uh, mm. a couple weeks ago. So your her name may be fresh in your uh, fresh in your mind. That's okay. where I knew those names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, group four are the Dugs, Douglas Adams, Doug Ford, and Dougie Fresh. We believe that Doug Ford is the Canadian politician who had a little trouble with um, nose candy or whatever you want to call it. So we said Doug Ford. Oh, damn it. He was that ridiculous outlandish mayor from Toronto. Uh, yeah, we went just because we, we went with Dougie Fresh. We didn't know. 
<laughs> I'm glad somebody chose Dougie Fresh. Uh, he's actually from <laughs> born in Barbados. Uh, but the answer is Doug Ford. Now he is the current premier of Ontario. His brother, Rob Ford is the one who had, oh, uh, was oh, the former right. mayor of Toronto who, <laughs> who had all the legal problems that were alluded to just a moment ago. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry for, uh, besmirching the, the, the good, good name of Doug Ford yeah. <laughs> or, or Doug's everywhere. Anyhow. Um, oh, we would never do that. <laughs> uh, Group five was Lucy Liu, Sandra O, oh, or Michelle Yeoh. All right. Um, so I think Michelle Yeoh was born in China. Lucy Liu, I'm fairly positive, is American, but I th- I thought Sandra O oh was Canadian, so that's what we locked in with. Yeah, we were pretty sure that it's actually short for Sandra O oh Canada, so we said Sandra O. Oh. <laughs> 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 Points all around there. Sandra O oh is correct. Michelle Yeo, I, I, bl- will... I believe, was born in Malaysia, uh, but oh, yeah, Malaysia, is, right. is uh, from uh, in, uh, ethnic Chinese from Malaysia. Scott Bakula, David Duchovny, Nathan Fillion. Um, we weren't totally sure. I love me some Nathan Fillion, and it just kept coming that it seemed like he was Canadian. Um, didn't think Bakula was, wasn't sure, so we said Nathan Fillion. Seems like the kind of guy that says sorry a lot. We felt the same way. We thought he was Canadian just because he's so nice, but we said, you know what? Maybe it's fun that David Duchovny was in Californication, but he's actually Canadiancation, so we said David Duchovny. Well, follow follow your nice radar. The answer here is indeed Nathan Fillion. All right. Um, I think some people knew that Sergi Baca, Joe Ingles, and Andrew Wiggins are NBA players. What'd you say? Um, pretty sure we, <clears throat> I mean, we knew he was a Raptor, but that doesn't make him Canadian, but we guessed Sergi Baca. Um, yeah, I, I believe he played for the national team once uh, for the Canadian national team. I'm pretty sure this is uh, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, well, reason it is Andrew Wiggins, in fact. Uh, Serge Ibaka is was born to Congolese and Spanish parents. Joe Ingalls is from Australia. Uh, next group, group eight, uh, uh, three authors. His first names all begin with uh, letter A, Alice Monroe, Annie Pruel, and Ann Tyler. Yeah, we weren't really sure that much. We thought Pruel seemed maybe a French-Canadian kind of name, uh, so we went with Annie Pruel. We had the exact same reasoning. We saw the X there. We thought maybe it was French-Canadian. We went Annie Pruel. And the answer is Alice Monroe. Alice Monroe was the only native Canadian to this point to have actually been credited as winning a Nobel Prize. She won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 2003. This gets some Canadians mad because Saul Bellow, who's also won a Nobel Prize, uh, was also born in Canada but moved to Chicago, of all places, when he was a, a young child and was accredited as being an American when he won the uh, Nobel Prize. All right. What about the Bryans? Brian Adams, Brian Boitano, Brian McKnight. Um, pretty sure that this one is uh, it's, uh, Brian Adams. I could not remember if it was Brian Adams or Ryan Adams that was Canadian. And I think it's Brian Adams. So we said Brian Adams. Uh, yep. He got his first real six string back in the summer of 69. It's Brian Adams. And then finally, uh, folk singers, uh, Joan Baez, or folk singers and songwriters, Joan Baez, Judy Collins, and Joni Mitchell. So Joan Baez was just honored at the Kennedy Center Honors. Um, I really didn't know much about her until I saw that 
she's a huge activist I know here in the States. So I wasn't sure if she was Canadian. So we went with Joni Mitchell. We were thinking uh, that Joni Mitchell just seemed American uh, and we didn't know Judy Collins. So we went Collins for this one. Uh, and the answer is, in fact, Joni Mitchell. Uh, who was mm. born and born and raised in uh, Canada, moved to Southern California and began her uh, her music career. If you listen to some of her earlier songs, you can hear the the Canadian accent. You can't hear it much uh, later on. And she's been in uh, ill health lately, but uh, they've just celebrated the 50th anniversary of her landmark album called Blue. So, but yes, uh, Joni Mitchell. Well, the only people we have to say sorry to are ourselves. Uh, we didn't perform as good as we probably wanted to, uh, but it looks like uh, Kristen 40 hands slash 40 ounces of trivia is going to have 96 points going into round two, and Teletubby Prompter is at a clean 100. So let's go right into two, Doug, if you're ready. Great. So question number one, round two. Category is who goes there. Uh, the who here stands for the World Health Organization. Uh, and when I was on the show, the category is about places where the WHO was doing work. Uh, but what city would you have to travel to if you wanted to go and visit the World Health Organization's headquarters? So in what city is the World Health Organization headquarters? Matt, I think we can actually lock in. Because <laughs> um, I... when you're on WebMD all the time looking at your own ailments, it leads you to the WHO <laughs> website. And I believe I know where it's at. Oh, my God. I don't know why Zurich came to mind. I was um, also thinking Switzerland for some reason. Yeah. I like, no, I, I like Zurich. Okay. Um, I, I was feeling Switzerland from the get-go, so. And uh, we also thought it was in Switzerland, but uh, I believe it's in Geneva. So that's what we locked in with. Yeah, points here for the Teletubbies. Um, it is Geneva, Switzerland, and not Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, so close. Uh, I guess I, if I had asked just for the country, uh, y'all would have both had it. Right. So round two, question two, uh, the category is 20th century inventions. So the first true, because it's sort of the callback to the, the Texas Instruments one, the first true electronic pocket calculators were developed independently and went on the market in Europe, Asia, and North America at a, just about the same time. In what decade did this occur? So when I'm talking about pocket calculators, I'm talking about really the ones which are capable of being handheld comfortably. Yeah, we are locked in. I don't have a reason. We're just locked in. Not sure why, Kristen, but like either the 50s or 60s was kind of coming to mind. Um, I mean, having said Texas Instruments was founded in 51, I don't know if that's leading me down that path. Did you have any insight on that? Um, well, if they were founded in 51, maybe it would be in the 60s. I, I could buy the 60s. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure think about there's probably other companies and... that were before, but giving a company time to find something that's that you can hold. Okay. I, I mean, I'm good uh, with I'll, either, but I'll buy the '60s. I think that's probably right on the cusp. So, um, yeah, I so uh, you guys are going with '60s. Um, I'm thinking something similar. I think you know, TI was founded, and then it took them ten years, and they finally got around to making them calculators. So we said '60s. Well, I've got a tough call here. I was doing a little bit more research here. So the first pocket calculators went on the market in 1971, but they were invented mm. in the 1960s. So I think, you know, 
I, I think I ought to. It, it, that's blurry enough, and 1971 is close enough. You know, since you both answered, let's. I'm going to give you uh, both teams points there. Uh, but they were invented in the late 60s and went on sort of uh, mass market uh, availability in the 1970s. Uh, the category is Tarzan Review Books, and this was sort of a, a joke category where Alex gave uh, uh, the clues to novels in Tarzan voice, uh, like that, in, in, in bad grammar. Uh, but this is just going to be a question about Tarzan. What 20th century American author created the character of Tarzan of the Apes and wrote over 20 novels and short story collections featuring the loincloth hero? Kristen, do you know uh, do you know this one offhand? I, I don't. I don't. The name George is coming to me, but that's all I got. Is it is it George of the Jungle? Because <laughs> probably. Because <laughs> I don't know anything about this. Uh, yeah, I I think we're a little out of our depths on this one. So yeah, uh, George I'm Eliot. Just... For some reason, is that an actual author? I don't know. George Eliot. Yeah. Um, I believe so. She wrote the Mill on the Floss. Uh, that was her pseudonym, I believe. Scratch that, then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I believe she was. Uh, she was a 19th century writer. But uh, I think we're just gonna have to tap out. Okay. Um. So Matt texted me Phil Collins, which I wish was true. <laughs> um, and uh, we were we were singing along with uh, his score that he did with NSYNC uh, for the Disney movie. But I believe it's uh, the last name Burroughs. I know it's a three-named person. I could not tell you what the first name and middle name is, but I think it's Burroughs. That's what we locked in with. Uh, that's so funny you said that because that's exactly when I tested these with my daughters. <laughs> um, uh, that's exactly what they said. Phil Collins. Uh, but in fact, the <laughs> name is uh, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Not to be confused oh. with William S. Burroughs, who wrote stuff like Naked Lunch. Uh, but it was Edgar Rice Burroughs, and uh, he got very wealthy off of this and built a large, large mansion in Southern California, which is now located in the L.A. suburb called Tarzana. So Tarzana, California, is actually named mm. after uh, Tarzan. <laughs> and, uh, no way. Yeah. So uh, I should have saved that for another question. All right. Question four. <laughs> Uh, this was a baseball category, which I loved, ways to get to first base. So here's a baseball question. In common baseball scoring notation, what number is used to represent the first base position on defense? I have had to keep score a few times in the press box as a former sports anchor, but if I get this wrong, I would be really embarrassed. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure because I know it's like, Pitcher and catcher first and second. So I think yeah. it's three. I I thought so too. I thought it was three. That's but. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'll probably embarrass myself, but it's like pitcher, catcher, or one or two, one or the other. And then around the infield and then around the outfield to nine. Okay. We'll go with three. Lock in with three. Three. And the Teletubbies. Uh, yeah, uh, Jeff, if the shortstop's going to be the six, so if you have a shortstop to second baseman to first baseman double play, it's a six, four, three, it's the three. So yeah. three is correct. That's right. That is right. Pitcher one, catcher two, first baseman is three, regardless of who's on first. As soon as you said six, four, three, I was like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I was you hear all to it, the I was time. like, it's not the double play. Yeah. I was like, they don't they always like usually end in three? Right. <laughs> yeah. 
usually. Unless the pitcher covers first way. base. No, we won't go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. Very good points for both teams. All right. Question number five, then. Uh, the category is It's Brown. You can imagine what was going in our heads when we heard It's Brown. Uh, but here is the, the question. The hot brown is a sandwich which was invented at the Brown Hotel in what city on the Ohio River? Though other ingredients can be added or substituted, a hot brown traditionally is an open-faced sandwich made of turkey and bacon, then covered in Mornay sauce and baked or broiled until the whole darn thing begins to brown. Yeah, we talked about it once on the show, like uh, not for a question. We were saying it's very appetizing the way it sounds. Somebody was talking about a hot brown, and we're like, mmm. Yeah. Well, I think it was. I have no idea. Relation to the famous skyline chili conversation that we were probably having around the same Mm. time. Um, We can lock in. I like one of your answers. I'll text it over to you. So I remember, I do remember you guys having a conversation on a previous episode. Um, I don't know. So as soon as he said it, it like kind of jarred something. But the first thing that came to my mind was Cleveland. Is that on the Ohio River? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm an East Coast girl. I don't know. Oh yeah. Um, I was thinking it was either o- Ohio or like into maybe Kentucky. Kentucky was sticking to my mind for some reason, so I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's like a Louisville thing. We do have a lot of Louisville listeners on, so Louisville doesn't sound bad. I think that might be on the Ohio River, and it's just far enough removed from like an Ohio city to yeah. maybe be right. I'm fine with that. Uh, we thought maybe that the team was, yeah, their their owner was named Paul Brown, but they just really enjoyed that sandwich in Cleveland. So we we said Cleveland, but I'm not 100% sure. All right. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio is on Lake Erie and the Cuyahoga River. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hot brown, is, as uh, Jeff said, uh, comes from a city where there are lots of uh, lots of uh, good trivia players, many of whom have been on uh, your show before, and it is, in fact, Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, all <laughs> yeah. right. Nice job. Thank you. I'm proud of that one. I remember <laughs> the thing. <laughs> nice job. Thank you. Uh, let's see. So with uh, that nice poll about Louisville, it looks like uh, Team uh, Kristen 40 Hand slash 40 Ounces of Trivia is at 126, <laughs> and the uh, Teletubby prompters are at 140. Wow. Close right. game. Still a really close game. Let's go to question six. All right. This is a category. Let's go online. Self-explanatory. So we're going online, especially thinking about watching stuff online. And so uh, here's the question. Launched in the U.S. on January 4th, 2021. On what streaming service can you now find titles such as Hometown, 90 Day Fiance, and Cutthroat Kitchen? Okay. uh, We can lock in over here. First Discovery Plus came to mind. I was that, I was also thinking that because I thought like 90 Day Fiance was like a TLC show. Right. And that would be in the Discovery Plus like network of shows. Okay. We'll go with uh, Discovery Plus. So thanks to my mom who messaged me a million times and said, you got to download Discovery Plus, uh, especially if Colleen wants to watch the newest season of 90 Day Fiance. We <laughs> said Discovery Plus. <laughs> All right, so points uh, to both sides there. Here is now uh, question uh, seven uh, of round two. And the category here is Republicans, and it's about Republicans. Uh, So in the current U.S. Senate, there is only one surname shared by two senators, both of whom happen to be Republicans. 
One is currently the only black Republican senator in office, and the other served as governor of his state from 2011 to 2019 when he uh, joined the Senate after being elected in 2018. So what is their shared last name? And for a bonus, what two states do these senators represent? One point each. We think we have the last name, so we're just going to lock it in. The first thing that comes to mind for me is I think this lines up with Rick Scott, uh, the former governor of Florida transitioning to Senate. Um, And I believe that was 2019 uh, that he would have taken office after the 18 midterms. Um, And then that that's where DeSantis came in. Um, So do you want to just go with the last name Scott since that's shared between the two of them? I don't know. I can't remember the other Scott state. Um, but I'm pretty sure Scott is is correct for him as well. So we have Florida. I feel like it's like a southern state. Yeah, I I can see his face, but I can't mm-hmm. remember too much about him. Alabama. Wanna, we'll say yeah, Scott. Yeah, Alabama and Florida. Yep. Okay. It's good SEC rivalry right there. Scott and like Alabama it. and Locked Florida. Yep. <laughs> we had a very similar reasoning. Um, I just remembered that that uh, Rick Scott had. Uh, left the governorship and went to the Senate uh, and then was replaced by DeSantis. So that was kind of what we locked in. We were like, it has to be Scott. So we locked in with Scott and then Florida. And uh, we think there there may be a senator from Georgia with the last name Scott. So that's what we went with for the other state. All right. Um, both teams correct. It was uh, uh, Rick Scott from uh, the state of Florida. The other senator there, and these are not the Property Brothers, are is Tim Scott. Uh, who is also from a southern state, but you got to pick the wrong SEC rivalry. This is South Carolina. Mm. Uh, okay. So, but 11 points. I've got 11 points for both sides there. Okay. Uh, let's see. Question number eight. Uh, following Republicans, the category is the grand grand old party. So there's a category about parties. Um, and it's specifically about music festivals. Though some music festivals are happening this year, many have been canceled again, especially in Europe even though they've had the Euro and all those sorts of things. So name one of the, of two European festivals, music festivals, both first held in 1970 that were canceled for the second year in a row in 2021. One of these festivals takes place in Somerset, England, and the other in its namesake city in Denmark. And here, well, let's throw bonus points, two points if you can name them both. Uh, I'm pretty sure, because I remember seeing when the Arctic Monkeys first became like a big overseas band, they were a headliner at, I think, this festival. I think Copenhagen is the only city I can name in Denmark, and I can't imagine there's some kind of Copenhagen festival. No, that's what I wrote down. Okay. Um, only one I know. I did. I do think I remember the British one, though. Um, okay. I think it's Glastonbury. Sounds that's, good. That I've heard that a few times. I've heard people mm-hmm. talking about like going to Glastonbury. Um, there was a podcast I used to listen to until they kind of shut down during the pandemic. Um, one of the hosts had gone to Glastonbury, I think, in 2019. So I'm, I like I, I'm okay to lock that in if you are. Yep, go for it. Um, All right. Okay, so we were thinking, I, I do remember seeing flyers for this when I was really more into music and younger. Uh, I think it's there's two. I think there's Reading and Leeds, I think, are the two big British music festivals, and I think reading is older, uh, so I think it's reading festival. I think that's what we're going to lock in with. 
So we've got Reading and uh, or, or Reading and Glastonbury and um, there is such a thing uh, called the Reading Festival, though resting, sorry, though Reading is not in Somerset. And the answer mm. is, in fact, Glastonbury uh, Festival yeah. is one of the, the big music festivals in uh, in Europe every year. Well, except for the last two years. And the Danish festival, we need a Danish boy um, uh, <laughs> rules read now. Uh, and that is in Roskilde. Uh, oh. And Roskilde is really great because it's very, very far north. You know, as Denmark is right, so you can go see a band at eleven o'clock, and it's still light outside. It's pretty cool. All right, question nine in round two. The category is women in science. Barbara McClintock, the 1983 Nobel Prize winner in physiology and medicine, made amazing contributions to the field of genetics through her studies of what staple plant. Uh, we uh, aren't too familiar with this uh, this question. We we know the name Barbara McClintock, so um, we have a plant, which is half the battle, and uh, we're gonna lock it in. <laughs> <Yeah>, Robert Plant. <laughs> um, oh, it's killing me because I, I, yeah, I'm 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 familiar with the name Barbara McClintock, but mm-hmm. apparently not enough to remember this. Um, yeah, my my gut goes to like corn, beans, yeah. so like soybeans, kidney beans, something like that. I'm good with any of those. I really have no idea whichever one you're leaning towards. Uh, maybe it's just because, uh, you know, it's uh it's corn harvesting season in the Midwest, but uh, I'm feeling corn. Uh, yeah, we uh we didn't know um. We know the name, and this is probably way off. Uh, but Matt and I were just talking about our affinity for uh, the brothers known as the Mario Brothers, so we said mushroom. Well, I tried to give you a little hint here with the word uh, amazing. Uh, maze, mm-hmm. of course, is uh, another word for corn. Yeah, and so McClintock's work uh, studied the genetics of corn and how the different the kernels, the, the color of the kernels, and how you can get all the mixed different kernels in, uh, on a single, single cob. Corn is correct. All right, the last question of round two, and the category is, I saved this for last, is Chicago TV. Um, so yeah, I had a category about Chicago TV. I almost used this as the midpoint, but decided that might give certain people an advantage. Uh, but here's the question. Uh, Chicago policeman Will Gorski, who was played by Brian J. Smith, is one of an octet of major characters in what Netflix original series? It ran for two seasons plus a full-length movie. Other characters in the show included a DJ from Iceland, an actor from Mexico, and a chemist from India. We're going to lock in over here. I said an octet, right? Will Gorski, that name is familiar. I'm trying to think. It's also like, to say like a police, a uh, Chicago policeman and then like a DJ from Iceland. That's really eclectic. Watched a lot of Netflix during the pandemic, but apparently I didn't watch this one. <laughs> yeah, as it is with Netflix these days, they crank more of it out than you can possibly watch. Um, some of it good, um, but just think about Ken. That's all I'll say. Just think about Ken. I'm I'm totally out of uh, runway yeah. here, Kristen. Well, um, we. Uh, we think this is a show uh, that was done by uh, some filmmakers that Ken is fond of. Uh, they had a production office here in the city, and uh, we went with Sensate. Oh, yes, Octet was the the clue there. The there were eight uh, title characters, all 
created in a cluster and I won't go bother with the, uh, with the, uh, how, how that, that happens. But the answer is sense eight, uh, developed by the Wachowskis, uh, and directed by Lana Wachowski, I believe. It is very, very close. So we have, uh, Kristen 40 hands slash 40 ounces of trivia. I still love saying it, uh, with 167 points. And uh, team Teletubby's, uh, oh man, I can't even get our own team name right now. Teletubby Prompter with uh, 171 points. So wow. 171 to 167. Uh, and Doug, I'm going to ask you for the categories, but just very quickly wanted to thank uh, Kristen and Doug for both being uh, Patreon supporters and helping our show continue to grow. Uh, something that uh, I believe Jeff mentioned just a few questions ago was that a podcast he listens to uh, unfortunately shut down due to the pandemic. But uh, luckily, you know, we were able to keep going. We're proud to say that we didn't miss a week. Uh, and that was uh, mostly due to all of our support from you uh, on Patreon, helping uh, our show continue to grow, but also give us the um, the tools to uh, continue to record and uh, have guests on from around the world uh, over the internet and uh, keep releasing episodes each and every week, even through a pandemic. So thank you very much to everyone who supported the show. If you'd like to have all of that extra audio content and some extra perks, you can join us at patreon.com slash Triviality Podcast. And if you like Kristen, uh, you could listen to uh, 15 hours of Triviality a week. That's right. On your commutes. And that's, by my math, as of today's recording, I think this is going to be episode 225 or just after. That would be uh, 15 hours for 15 weeks just to get through our regular catalog, not to mention all of our bonus episodes and all of our Patreon-exclusive bonuses. So That's some great math there. We got you covered. All right. Um, your five categories. Uh, the first one, and not to confuse this with, but the first category is called five questions. So things about the number five. Uh, the 1880s. Third category is swamped. Fourth category is may I have a word with you? That is the letter U. And the last category, fifth category is textiles. All of our wagers are now locked in. Let's go to Doug for the questions. All right, here we go. Uh, question number one in the final round, five questions. Uh, so this is a music question, including Ben Folds himself. The Ben Folds Five was comprised of how many musicians? Uh, question number two, the 1880s. Uh, the 80s, 1880, not the 1980s. The 1880s were an incredibly important <laughs> decade for the development of the automobile, including Carl Benz's Motorwagen. But what other German scientist and engineer also made major contributions during that decade on things like the internal combustion engine and the first two-wheeled and four-wheeled petroleum-powered vehicles? A company bearing his name owned a major U.S. automobile maker from 1998 to 2007. Question number three, Swamped. This is actually going to be a comic book question. The 1982 movie Swamp Thing was written and directed by Wes Craven and starred Dick Duroc in the title role and was based on the Vertigo DC Comics character of the same name. Comic Book Hall of Fame writer Len Wein, that's W-E-I-N, co-created Swamp Thing. However, Wein is better known for co-creating what Marvel character who first appeared in an Incredible Hulk issues number 180 and 181 in 1974? Uh, question number uh, four, may I have a word with you? A uh, bit of a history question here. U-Tant, so that's letter U, space, capital T-H-A-N-T. -T. So U-Tant, the Secretary General of the United Nations from 1961 to 1971, 
hailed from what country? Either the name of the country at that time or its current name is an acceptable answer. So that country's name has changed between then and now. Just a heads up, Matt, there are more countries than Esau China oh, that have changed you. names. That's very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and question number five, textiles. Uh, cinchilla, a polyester textile made from recycled plastic bottles is the primary material used in fleeces made by what outdoor wear company? Though the company is based in California, their fleeces would probably be great to wear near the southern tip of South America. Okay, we will go over these and be back with our answers. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, all of our answers are now locked in, and let's see how this close game is going to shake out. Uh, Doug, we can hear those questions one more time, and we'll give our answers. All right, question number one in the final is called Five Questions, including Ben Folds himself. The Ben Folds Five was comprised of how many musicians? Uh, we could start here, I guess. Um, we wager 20 points on this one. We were pretty sure that it was no more than five, but we think that Ben Folds Five is a three-piece, so we went with three. Um, for this one, yeah, we thought, uh, including Ben Folds, it was a trio, a little misleading with the five. Uh, we bet 15 on this. Uh, points to both sides. The Ben Folds Five was a trio and not a quintet. They just thought that uh, Ben Folds Five sounded better than Ben Folds Three, and it was Ben Folds, Robert Sledge, and Darren Jesse were the musicians who made up. Once the Ben Folds Five broke up, uh, he went into his his bands have been larger. He's even written some orchestral music these days. All right, very good. Uh, in the 1880s, which, uh, we've got the 1880s were an incredibly important decade for the development of the automobile, including Carl Benz's Motorwagen. But what other German scientist and engineer also made major contributions during that decade on the internal combustion engine and the first two-wheel and four-wheel petroleum-powered vehicles? A company bearing his name owned a major U.S. automobile maker from 1998 to 2007. Okay. Um, we wagered uh, 15 on this one. And I think um, one of the partners of Carl Benz in the 
uh, early stages was a guy, an engineer um, named Gottlieb Daimler. And I'm pretty sure Daimler AG is Mercedes' parent company. And I think they had like a controlling interest in Chrysler at one point. So we locked in with Daimler. Ooh, there's a lot of things that sound 100% correct. Uh, we wagered 20 and went with the less correct sounding uh, Aston Martin. Yeah, that was um, uh, great. Uh, great there, Jeff. It is, in fact, Gottlieb Daimler. Uh, Chrysler was known as Daimler Chrysler from 1998 to 2007. They no longer own, own Chrysler. Uh, but they do own, uh, you know, there was Daimler and Mercedes for a while. And Daimler and Benz were both uh, um, adversaries and partners in the development of the automobile back in, the, in that decade. So very good. Third question, Swamped. I'll skip some of the background. Basically, I'm asking here, uh, comic book Hall of Fame writer Len Wein co-created Swamp Thing. However, Wein is better known for co-creating what Marvel character who first appeared in Incredible Hulk issue numbers 180 and 181? in 1974. We wagered uh, 20 on this one as well. Uh, I initially had said Silver Surfer, but Matt corrected me and said he believes that he appeared in Fantastic Four. So we went with another kind of quirky character like Swamp Thing, and we said Rocket Raccoon. We wagered 15 as well. We had no idea. Neither Jeff nor I are big comic book people. Um, And we could have came up with, not that he was a one-trick pony, but maybe he created the thing. We went with the thing. Uh, both excellent guesses, but no points here. Uh, you didn't have to go that deep into the Marvel canon to find Wolverine. Oh, oh, wow. Oh. Okay. May I have a word with you? So this is a question about you, Taunt, the Secretary General of the United Nations from 1961 to 1971. And he hailed from what country? And either the name of the country from that time or its current name is an acceptable answer. Yep, thinking about uh, countries that uh, would have changed names since then. I, I do kind of remember this one. I'm pretty sure for 15 points that Utant was Burmese, so we said Myanmar. Hmm. Yeah, we wagered. Um, we're going to lose 15 points on this one is what I mean to say. Uh, we were thinking of countries that changed <laughs> their name. Uh, kind of leaning back to the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which I think was Zaire at the time, uh, but we'll say Congo or Zaire. Uh, a very good guess, but again, the um, 40 ounces of trivia have gotten it right. Uh, Utah was uh, from Burma, or which is what is now known as Myanmar. And then finally on textiles, so this is a question about cinchilla, a, polytest- blah, 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 blah. cinchilla, a polyester textile made from recycled plastic bottles, is the primary material used in fleeces made by what outdoor wear company? And though the company is based in California, their fleeces would be great to wear near the southern tip of South America. Yeah, we uh, we wagered 20 on this one. Uh, we weren't too sure. Um, we threw a bunch of fleece names out there, uh, North Face and whatnot. But uh, Matt uh, mentioned that REI, I think, is based in California, which I agreed with. So we said REI. Yeah, we had, had similar conversations. We bet 10 on this one. Um, we had said North Face, REI, but then Jeff came up with Patagonia. And thinking of southern tip of South America, I thought it was kind of the region down there. It all worked out great. So we said Patagonia. And that reasoning is absolutely correct. The answer is Patagonia. And uh, yeah, they uh, have made uh, a lot of their fleeces, not all their fleeces, but a lot of these fleeces out of, out of this post-consumer plastic uh, for many years. Well, um, 
we are flattened over here. Uh, Teletubby prompter. Um, we were crushed uh, horribly. Uh, upgraded from the 90s uh, to the current flat screens. <laughs> that is that is true. So uh, we're going to end the game with 116 points. Uh, but today's cream of the crop and a uh, very worthy birthday present for Kristen at the team over at uh, Kristen 40 hands slash 40 ounces of trivia with 207 points. You are today's cream of the crop. Cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. Yay. Nice. Cheers, Jeff. Thank you. You were, an, you were an awesome teammate. So this was a lot of fun. I appreciate uh, your, uh, your coming on today. Well played, everybody. That was a, a lot of fun for me, too. Yeah, great questions, Doug. Uh, really spanned uh, just a bunch of different genres. And um, the fact that you, you were able to win Jeopardy with all these different categories uh, is very impressive. So I'm glad that it inspired a game today. Yeah, well, I won one game. So the other game wasn't quite so good. But, uh, 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 but yeah, no, but that, I just, you know, when, I, when it came to me that this, the, your game and those two games had the same number of questions, I, I kind of felt like I had to do it. Well, it was awesome, uh, and we very much appreciate you writing it for us today. Uh, anyone you'd like to shout out uh, for today, for this game? Um, I'd like to shout out uh, my family who helped uh, play test this, and uh, my good friend Tara Whittle, who also uh, gave the questions a, a look over as well. And I want to thank you all for having me do this tonight, and this is sort of a bummer, but we had to put our, our, our dog down this morning and this was a great oh, distraction oh. from, this was a great distraction. So thank you so much for having planned this at this time, because otherwise I'd be doing nothing but being sad. So this was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Uh, well, you're very welcome. We're really sorry for your loss and uh, just happy that uh, we're able to spend some time with you today and, uh, you know, be a, uh, a helpful distraction. But uh, what, what was your dog's name? Star. Star. Well, and, and uh, she lived a good long 17 year life so you know her oh, her wow. time her time had come but it was uh it was still really hard it's never easy it's, no. no it never is easy and we'll dedicate uh, your performance today to star because it was a great hosted game and we appreciate it um and uh Kristen, um it was your birthday celebration today uh you obviously crushed me and matt uh <laughs> but uh the floor is yours uh for anyone you'd like to shout out or anything you'd like to say well, I did a lot better than I thought I would. So I was like, <laughs> let me just get one question right and not be carried the whole time. And uh, that was a lot of fun, you guys. I appreciate you letting me celebrate my birthday with you. You guys, like I said, have gotten me through so many hours of commute going to uh, to work. And just thank you for everything that you guys do to keep this podcast going and everybody supporting it. It's so um, It's been so much fun. It's such a release. You guys are hilarious. Great to put the faces to the voices now. <laughs> I know you say that all the time, but, um, you know, thank you to my husband and my kids for being quiet. And uh, so I can do this and so much fun. Thank you guys so very much. I appreciate it. Sweet birthday. Well, happy we are birthday. so happy to have you today. Yes. Happy birthday thank and happy you. future birthday, Doug, coming up soon. So it's a birthday extravaganza yeah. today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but of course. And uh, yeah, thank you both for, for joining us today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, like we said, Ken wasn't here giving that tour of Frank Lloyd Wright's house by candlelight, uh, but we hope he's having a good time. Matt, thank you for being a great partner. Uh, and Jeff, thank you uh, for your musket is always uh, welcome. So uh, for, is it? yeah, it is welcome for Jeff, Matt, Ken, Kristen, and Doug. My name is Neil. And that was Triviality. For the record, uh, we know mushroom is a fungus, but we panic. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
That's really funny. It's a culinary vegetable. 